a father who had cancer and was going through cancer treatments and you can suck up your pride and take help. That's something that can and has and will be done no matter what. Meth is not the only answer to your financial issues. And welcome to the Go Ask Your Father Greatest TV Dad Bracket Challenge Finals. That's right. We have made it to the finals of our bracket challenge, but I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Let's do some admin first, shall we? If you could please go to our Facebook and Instagram pages at Go Ask Your Father Podcast and give us a like and a follow for up-to-date discussions of the podcast, dad jokes, and more importantly, where you can listen to the podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. Now that that's out of our way, Let's get to the real reason why we're doing this. Today, we will crown the Go Ask Your Father's greatest TV dad of all time. We started off with 32 dads spanning four different brackets, generations, and mediums. Today, we will take those final four, the best of the best, and see which one will be standing tall at the end. Just as with this bracket, I needed the best of the best, a crack team of panelists who will be able to help me bring these final four down to the champion. And I truly feel that these three are the best. Up first, representing the 2000s brackets, he has been with this, he's been there for this podcast since its inception, since its beginning. He stepped up in our greatest time of need. We have a friend in him. It's Jordan Gonzalez. What's up? What's up? You ready to go? I'm ready to go, man. Are you you know, I got my, I got my, I got my Wheaties in before this. Very excited. You know, I went plant based for this. Okay, so I could totally. have the most focus and the most blood running through my veins to destroy Jamie. Why that is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, every comic needs a villain. Every wrestling match needs a heel. Every Hallmark movie needs a guy who's going to bulldoze a local Christmas tree farm to build a condo. And after his performance in the sci-fi and cartoon round, I feel as if we found our greatest one. Ladies and gentlemen, representing half of the Fire Bear Republic, it's Mr. Jamie Cheek. Welcome back, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Even with your episode of the podcast, I still wanted you back because I love you and I missed you. It's called strategy. It's called strategy. Okay. I'll take your word for that one. Yeah. Are you okay playing the heel for this? I'm always the heel. There you go. It's like Ric Flair in his prime. Ooh, I love it. There you go. <laughs> Woo! Now, Whoa. now un- unfortunately, the third member of this panel was unable to be with us this evening. So a replacement was called in. Or just maybe a hero has arrived. A fucking spy? He has a particular set of skills. No skills have been told for just a moment like this. The other half of the Fire Bear Republic, it's Dustin Cleary. Dustin, welcome to the show. What's up? <laughs> this is good. 
This is not good. I hate to say this, but my intro was just over Jamie's face, so I wasn't able to see it as I as you pulled it back. (laughs) He was texting. I figured this out. Yeah, Yeah, I was texting you. I wasn't trying to. I'm sorry, Jamie. I, anyways, Dustin, welcome to the show, buddy. (laughs) Hey, thanks for having me back. Uh, you know what? You've my wife has told me uh, the 2000s episode is probably her favorite because she found you and Jordan bouncing off of one another to be very, very funny. So right. when all's fails, when when we needed someone, I was thinking, who could I get at last minute? And Dustin was there, ready to go. And I'm I'm just so happy you're here, sir. Anytime, Rob. Anytime. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate you. So it's a handicap match, is it? <laughs> let's see. Well, now that our introductions are out of the way, let's talk about our finalists and how they got here. Starting first with sci-fi and cartoons, Bob Belcher knocked down everyone in his path, clearing the board with clean sweeps in each round he faced. Though I will say, this one round was mired with controversy. Howard Cunningham, while sweeping through the first two rounds he was in, faced some steep competition against Jed Clampett in the final round of the 60s and 70s, but wound up knocking him out and was victorious. Jack Pearson was the absolute juggernaut of the competition, however, knocking down everyone in his path, tearing his way to the final four. The real surprise was when fan favorite Philip Banks was knocked out in the first round of the 80s and 90s bracket by Tim Taylor, who then stormed his way all the way to the finals, beating Carl Winslow to punch the final ticket to the big dance. Now, this is normally the point where I say, let's stop stalling and get on with the final four. However, I feel as if we need to take a moment to address some controversy. During the sci-fi and cartoons round, we had a fairly valid argument made for that was later found out to be a ruse to give Bob Belcher an easier path on his way to the final four. Okay, so I don't want to hear this shit because you guys <laughs> docked Danny Tanner points for having a dead wife and let Tim Taylor get out of his bracket. All right, Danny Jamie, Tanner was demoted and Jamie, lost on a technicality Jamie, of a you're dead ruining wife. I am totally gonna I'm just defending you. my strategy. I, I appreciate you, Jamie, and I understand, but at the same time, all I can do is judge the rounds. I that's all I can do. Blame the people who made the arguments. <laughs> now, can I get on with my introduction? Because you're completely ruining okay. like, my rhythm. <laughs> Anyways, while these shenanigans have been called out in spectacular fashion, I realize that if Mr. Belcher were to win this whole thing, then the legitimacy of the entire bracket challenge will be called into question. And considering that this is the podcast's first bracket challenge, we cannot have our first champion be mired in controversy. Now, how to fix this? I originally thought about redoing the round completely, but that would take entirely too much time. I considered putting together a brand new round altogether bringing back our competitors and the face-off against each other in the final four. I thought about bringing forward someone who maybe should have been part of the bracket challenge, a wild card round, if you will. I even considered just letting it ride in hopes that one of our competitors would still be recognized as a true champion. I knew the latter could not be done. Something had to happen. So I decided to let fate handle this. Each of our final four competitors will face one last challenge before we move on to the final rounds. I have before me, let me move my camera, five slips of paper for uh, each bracket. Uh-oh. 
Two of these pieces of paper hold who maybe should have been part of the bracket challenge, but were not considered this year. The other two are people who were part of the bracket challenge, and I decided they deserve one more shot at the apple. But then there is the last one, the final piece of paper. There are only two words on this one, and it says, no contest. If this paper is chosen, then there will be no challenge, and that particular finalist will move forward into the final rounds. Yeah. Now, since the sci-fi and cartoons bracket is our round that was called into question, let's go ahead and start there, shall we? So, we have our no contest. Our two new competitors are as follows. We have... I keep picking the wrong papers, don't mind me. Hmm. Nigel Thornberry from the Wild Thornberries. Don't even know who that is. <laughs> really? Yep. <laughs> and Dave Seville from Alvin and the Chipmunks. Oh. How is he even a father? Hey. He's father to the chipmunks. <laughs> He's a pet owner. Can I just can I add some input in here and say Rob, you know, the fact that so I thought you were just going to, because originally last time we talked, you were just going to throw someone back in. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm for it. But the fact that you're doing this, no contest, I possible thought it would be that we're going to be in it, possible two that we're already in it. That's, I mean, that's as fair as it gets. Because Jamie that's, cheated. That's I didn't cheat. I, I made a convincing <laughs> argument. Anyways, the two who are coming back, Herman Munster from the Munsters. Ooh. Hank Hill. Yes. Oh, Hill. The, goat. Hell, the goat. Now, <laughs> all five slips of paper are in my hat. I will keep myself on camera. I like that shirt. Yeah. Thank you. Do you want one? I do. I'll get you <laughs> one. Bob Belcher. Versus Hank Hill. That's what? <laughs> it's rigged. All right. In the interest of fairness, I will say this. Earlier in the evening, I was considering fixing this. I was going to pull the frozen envelope trick from the 1980 NBA uh, draft lottery where the Knicks got the number one pick. But my wife talked me out of it. You should have still done it. It's so sus. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go figure. You know what? If you had just made a valid argument instead of, you know, if you hadn't admitted that you came up with a. I'm an honest guy. <laughs> and I appreciate you being honest, but now you have to argue Bob Belcher versus Hank Hill. That's a hard one. Who wants to kick us off? I'll let them go first. Dustin, you can have the floor. I think Hank Hill is like the best cartoon dad, man. He, he, every week he faces a challenge and becomes a better person because of it and teaches his son not to be so steadfast in your ways and learn and adapt to everything. I think, I think he's just the best dad, man. Of, They both are great dads. No matter what, 
whoever comes out of this out of this bracket, they're both good dads. Okay. Um, Hank Hill uh, is a hardworking dad. He sells propane and propane accessories. That has to be noted because that's important. You can't teach your son how to grill on coal. It's about propane. Okay. Important values. Important yeah. life values for his uh, his son Bobby. Uh, he he's just a, not even. I mean, when you look at look at a great dad, you look at somebody that's not only just a good dad but a good person. And I feel personally that Hank Hill shows that a little bit more than Bob does. Um, Bob is also a good dad, but he's, he's got kind of a misstep there with the kids. If you ask me like, yeah, he still goes and does the boy band concerts and still does all that type of stuff, but he really could care less whether they're doing it or not. And generally when even asked if he can do it, he's always like, do I have to, you know, except H, you know, John Benjamin. Um, so I think Hank Hill to me would be a stronger role role model as a father, but also probably cares about his kids a little bit more because he's always kind of, you know, helping Bobby out in any way he possibly can. Mm. So both are good dads, but I would lean more. I would lean more to Hank Hill. So Hank Hill would be my vote on that one. All right. Is it my floor? Jamie, your floor? defend your man. Hank Hill is a cautionary tale by Mike Judd on how to not fuck your kid up. <laughs> Hank Hill and Bobby's relationship is basically as follows Bobby tries to be an individual. Hank says, There's something wrong with that boy. Then Hank learns that he was wrong all along, that he's a complete shithead, and then humbly accepts defeat. And it happens over and over and over and over because he never actually learns from the situation. They use it as kind of a storytelling mechanism over and over and over. Because that's the pr- premise of about 30 episodes of King of the Hill. Whether it's Bobby carrying a purse or Bobby dating an Asian person, which Hank had a problem with because Hank is kind of a Texan. Um, over and over and over, Hank Hill fails and then learns from his failure. Where Bobby, Mr. Bob Belcher, Shows up for his kids every single day. Gives up his dream of having a successful burger restaurant constantly. Barely makes the rent for his kids. Always makes an attempt initially to understand his kids. Not after the fact, after the story, as a cautionary tale at the end. He's always there for his kids. He's the best dad. Period. In this whole tournament, he is the best dad. Hank Hill is trash. He's Texas trash. No, I was going to say, but that's part of also, by the way, of the three of you, and I know Jordan is a dog dad and Jamie is a cat dad and Dustin is Dustin. Is a Mac dad. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mac daddy. There you go. Mac daddy. I'm the only one here with a child. And part of being a father is growing and you're not always going to be right. You're going to be wrong a lot, but it's learning. But do you grow when you repeat the story over and over and over like 30 plus episodes? Jamie, let you in. Let me let you in on a dirty little secret of being a dad. Yes. 
you can fail the same you can fail the same way multiple times but it's as long as you're learning and growing from it that's part of being a dad but what if somebody doesn't fail over and over and over in the same way wouldn't that make them a little bit better true but are they really trying maybe bob belter if you if you spend your whole day in your burger restaurant and the rest of your night taking care of your kids taking them to boy band shit that you might not want to do you're kind of trying man okay hank doesn't take bobby you're, out to like comedy clubs and what? stuff he gave him a hard time for it isn't it said, uh, oh, go ahead. he always gives him a hard time it can go both ways really i mean yes yeah, sure if you if you always accomplish everything sure and that's fine but do you really honestly believe like I've, I've watched Bob Burgers quite a bit and I've seen every episode. Uh, sure. He might get it on the first try, but once again, he, you know, his his shoulders are all down. He's barely wanting to walk to places. It's because it's kid. exhausting. He's embarrassed of his kids. He rarely wants to be around them. Can't explain his oldest kid who he should have his probably biggest bond with, but dude, all just of his is kids like, are psychotic my point exactly so in in my perspective i'm watching his kids be crazy and do all this crazy yeah. stuff wouldn't that be more he failed as a father no because as opposed kids... to somebody as opposed to somebody that constantly sees his son doing crazy things Kais tries to uh correct what he's doing only to ultimately understand that hey this is my son this is who he is i need to understand that and i need to learn and grow from it hey, that seems like a better role Bobby model dating an asian girl that never okay happened. okay hold on it did let's, too. Let's, let's we, we just we didn't have like to, what happened parents. when he started dating connie he was he, like he, he didn't like the parents first off but, yeah, but also, he said racist if, shit if about them if we're gonna if we're gonna go down that uh rabbit hole then we have to also include that this show was based in the 90s during early a different 2000s. time 90s early, early 2000s. 2000s it came out in like 97 97 i go back looking by up. two years i doubt that even happened and hank's brother is japanese Boom. Keep yeah, that in but mind. Hank was raised by cotton. So? Still, <laughs> Some still of that carried over. Relative. Some but of that still, carried over. Still, still, though, he just because a different time frame, first off, and based on the show, he's born from in his, his birthday is like either April 1953 or 1954. So he's a different generational type dad than what Ooh, Bob the Belcher different is. generational thing to get out of racism. Come on, man. Not, no. I mean, I, do do I agree with it? No, but you can't. There's you can't a different generation. It. You can't use it I as a defense. I'm not using it as a defense. I'm saying if you're gonna go down that rabbit hole, sure. Then if you really look at Bob, I'm I've been kind of nice. I've said but both are good dads. Truthfully, Bob is a piece of shit. Whoa. He's Explain. a horrible father. <laughs> Explain. Bob, Why does he never come through? Every when time he, he doesn't failed. pay the rent on time. He fails every episode. Every episode is about him not making rent. And then miraculously, by the end of it, his, you know, the, uh, the guy that his landlord is like, hey, you found a way to solve it this time, but you're also still three months behind. Well, so, I'm sorry, Bob huh. Belcher isn't rich and privileged. He doesn't have to be rich. Hank Hill sells propane and propane <laughs> accessories. He In doesn't Texas. have some. He doesn't have some type of luxury. Type it has the job. lowest cost of living. They're from Jersey. Jersey has one of the highest costs of living in the whole country. And as a good father, you would know you want to move your kids to where they can strive the best. Oh, somewhere super racist. Okay. I did, hey, Texas is Texas is a. All right, hold on. I got. We're not getting into the politics question, of it. Question. <laughs> I, I have not seen every episode of king of the hill nor have i seen many episodes of bob's burgers that's not good 
mostly because the cartoons my kids watch is, is like Daniel Tiger. <laughs> and for a second, I was considering putting Mr. Tiger in there because he's a hell of a dad. Anyways, moving on. What I was going to say, because I did see one episode, one particular episode of uh, Bob's Burgers, and that leads me to this question. Has Hank Hill ever committed insurance fraud? No, because he's a quality <laughs> human being that does not have criminal background in him. Has Bob Belcher ever discriminated against an Asian neighbor moving next door? <laughs> he never. It had. Nothing he did to do, do that. Rights. He just it didn't did like too. the parents. That's all it was. He treated Khan like crap for being Asian. It wasn't for being race. It wasn't for being Asian. He was just a stuck-up son of a bitch. That's all it was. Uh, I don't think so. Yes. You're you're attached too hard to the race card there. Just a little bit. It's a thing. <laughs> He's from Texas. Fuck him. Not everybody from Texas is racist. My sister-in-law is from Texas. <laughs> I would also like to point out too that not only does Bob show a lack of interest in his children. His children don't really seem to give a shit about him in the first place either. Yeah, Bobby loves at, his father and always wants to learn from him. Yeah, but he's and constantly hiding go, things from him because his father's judgmental look, as go shit. Go look at the, the two younger kids for Bob's Burgers who constantly change his menu, lock him out of the restaurant or lock him somewhere where he can't do stuff, and then try and ruin his restaurant multiple times. No. If, yes. <laughs> no. Yes, absolutely. Jamie, I think, you, I think you have realized you've, you've met defeat. And you're I just, met defeat. Jamie, you're fading. Buddy. I was set up. All right. <laughs> you were not set up. This is fate talking to you, saying you shouldn't have messed with the first round in the bracket challenge to begin with. So I will give each of you one more minute, starting with Jordan, then Jamie, then Dustin. Final arguments, Jamie. Okay. Final argument. I don't need a minute. Bob Belcher is a piece of shit. His kids thinks that he's a piece of shit. They try and harass him and make his business fail on a day-to-day, episode-to-episode basis. He is not a committed father. He gets dragged to do things for his kids that he doesn't want to do. Hank Hill wants to do anything with his kid and teach his kid and gr- and grow with his kid. Hank Hill is the better dad, point blank. None of that is true. Also, Bob's kids love him. Bob is awesome. Hank never learns and con- constantly makes the same mistakes, whether it be for the plot or not. And Hank is probably a racist. He's messed up more <laughs> shit for Bobby than Bob's kids have ever messed up for Bob. He was crappy about his dream of becoming a comedian. He gave him grief about carrying a purse. He gave him grief about dating an Asian girl. He gave him so much grief. He's he's the worst dad that could have been in that bracket. Hank Hill is a piece of shit. Dustin, you have the floor. All right, Dustin, before you go on, I would like to say that Jamie thinks that Hank Hill is the worst dad in this bracket that contained Peter Griffin. Yeah. So like, oh, let, let, let that, I forgot about Peter Griffin. He didn't yeah. deserve to be here. Yeah, <laughs> I'll retract that. Story. Anyways, Dustin, <laughs> okay, I would like to start off by saying Hank Hill, not a racist. He's just from Texas. <laughs> okay, and from a different time. All right, I got you. I don't. I don't think there was any racism involved in the first place. I'm laying that out there. Then I why think didn't he like Connie? He, he he didn't have anything against Connie. Yes, he did. 
Jamie, it, <laughs> yeah, you don't know. Have it's okay. Silence, sir. Um, I, I think he's just a better example of what a dad should be. He's not perfect. And he instills those values in his son. He teaches him that, like, you don't always have to be the best person. You just have to be willing to make a change and become a better person. I, I think he's just the better, better example of what a father should be. Okay. So, after listening to the arguments and, and truly, truly listening, an objective listener and judge, unlike some people thinking that I'm not objective, he's shaking his head now. I'm sorry, Jamie. Hank Hill moves on to the final four. Bob Belcher has been defeated. That's garbage. Do my Ric Flair dance. It's my podcast. (laughs) So we'll be moving on to the 60s and 70s. Our new competitors coming in to challenge Howard Cunningham. Rick Marshall from Land of the Lost. I like how no one knows who that is. <laughs> nah, I barely know. I barely know Howard Cunningham. <laughs> Philip Drummond from Different Strokes. What you talking about, Willis? Yeah, I know who that is. Making a return, John Walton from The Waltons. Andy Taylor from The Andy Griffith Show. No contest. Howard Cunningham. Hell yeah, I didn't want to do any of those anyway. Okay, good. (laughs) I didn't want to do any of those anyway. (sighs) Do y'all see that handsome dog in the background? That is a beautiful dog. I do. All right. Thank you, buddy. So we move on to the 2000s. Our new competitors coming in. Adam Braverman from Parenthood. No clue who that is. Yeah, me <laughs> I hope that guy doesn't get picked. It's a show Caitlin watch. <laughs> Eric Taylor from Friday Night Lights, who was supposed to be in it to begin uh, with. I think I'm the only one who knows who he is. Making a return. Jed Bartlett from The West Wing. Hmm. And as a favor to Jamie Cheek. Walter no. White from Breaking Bad. No. Justice. <laughs> no. Justice. That'll be, a, that'll be an easy one to debate out, though. No, I'm not won't. such a mean guy, am I, Jamie? That's my boy. All right. We're shaking the hat. Okay. I'm shaking it, though. I should have Caitlin just come out and do this. You should. She's Bobby. trying to get Bobby to sleep. Ah, makes sense. <sighs> It's Walter White. Jesus Christ. Please, God, no. It's, it's Walter, Walter White. White. <laughs> no. Oh. That'll be an easy one to get rid of then. Against who? Jack Pearson from Jack This Pearson? Is Us. <laughs> oh, he's so fucked. Walter White's just done. <laughs> Jamie, do you want to even try? Yeah, I want to try. <laughs> you have the floor. It's uh, Go ahead and open your argument. I'm just gonna go Jack is myself. dead. Jack is dead. 
So Jack is, is dead. White. Walter's dead. <laughs> but <laughs> Walter's story is not told in flashbacks. It doesn't matter how the story's told. Yes, it does. How does it matter the how the context, story's told? The context of how stories are told are influenced by the situation in which they're told. Let, let him go with this because I'll, I'll rebuttal. For instance, at my father's funeral, there was a number of people that came forward to speak who didn't like him, didn't spend time with him, didn't come and visit him in the hospital when he was dying, and had these like real nice stories that weren't true at all. Like the the truth of the story matters, and the context in which people tell the story tends to influence their truth. I don't believe that the story of This Is Us is truthful. I think the reason he comes off as such a good dad is because it's people telling the story post-mortem in these flashbacks. The only thing I actually know about the guy is at some point he was an alcoholic. And alcoholics typically aren't great dads. But the story portrays him as this awesome father all the time. Shows you these good things he does, but it kind of admits a little bit underneath everything. Oh, yeah. And he was an alcoholic for a while. So I think he's probably, and since it's the theme of this episode, I think he's probably a piece of shit. And you guys' argument for trying to get him in was that he was handsome. Like, I listened to that episode. They're like, oh, he's such a good-looking guy. He's such a good-looking guy. Nobody mentioned he's an alcoholic. Nobody mentioned that he was, like, dead. I mean, I guess you guys did say he was dead. But people are talking about him post-mortem. And they don't want to say a bad thing about him. But I'll say a bad thing about him. He's a piece of shit alcoholic. Half that stuff's probably made up stories to make him look good. All right. I got something. Wayne. Okay. Okay. How come nobody had a single good thing to say about Walter White after he died? Because <laughs> nobody talked about him after he died. Oh, he yeah, they at did. the end of the series. We got, we got El Camino. It came out afterwards. They called him a monster. Certain people did, but they didn't the go media, back and everybody that was related to him. The media did, and Skylar had too because she was incriminated. Jesse Pingman, which was his like closest like confidant, he rescued him and sacrificed his life for him at the end as a father figure. Yeah, so after he laid down you, his you, actual life for you, his son. So what you're saying is, is a father can uh, have a uh, resolving moment. Of a show like maybe when you are an alcoholic and you fight your alcoholism and then become a great father that everybody remembers you by. Not to mention Jamie. Oh, you mean not... the story people tell after you're dead? Come well, on, hold on, hold on, because you're you're yes, those are flashback scenes. But the thing I want to hear the thinking, alcohol stories, man. The thing you're, they, they're in there, and he is an alcoholic. We need some balance. I, I admitted it on on uh, the episode that we did. But the issue is, you're thinking of these flashback scenes for uh, Jack Pearson and This Is Us as somebody telling the story previously when, in fact, it's showing what happened at that time. It's not like one of his sons in the future is like, oh, I remember my dad did this, and then it just flashes back. They're showing what happened between both timelines. Yeah, so you're story. Back They're not the separate time. timelines. It's not like in this timeline, I was an alcoholic. They but are separate timelines. Over here, I was straight. Before his death, timeline. All right, hold on. It's one conti- it's let's can we agree that it's all on the same timeline, but 
the way they tell the story is by flashbacks, not someone telling the story, but what happened previously right. in the right. timeline. Can we agree to that? I don't think so. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on, Jamie. How how much have you watched This Is Us? Be honest. Zero. My point exactly. <laughs> I've watched it. I have my wife Why over here. Why would you watch that? I, I'm explaining it. My wife over here, who I love to death while I do studying or, or play World of Warcraft because I'm a fucking geek, I'll be listening and I'll be watching. And guess what? That show drugged me in so fucking hard that I was like, to hell with playing World of Warcraft with the boys tonight. I'm watching This Is Us. That show is fantastic first off you should watch it if you ever get the time mm. or if you ever have a show that you want to try and watch it's pretty good honestly it draws you in but it's not someone telling the story of what he did it's they show you who he was as a person starting from pre-army as a son going to literally his deathbed and he does a huge heroic act so uh, right before he dies just so you know jamie he dies because he gets uh, he goes into the burning on the house that's you know burning up in flames to save the dog, save the children, save the wife, get everybody out of the house. And then he dies in the hospital later because he got he had um, he got so much smoke into his lungs that he went to cardiac arrest. OK, he died. That's how he dies. So talking about that moment, the resolving moment of a character, how they you know, they did all this bad stuff. But, hey, man, he did this one good thing at the very end that just proved that he was a good person your argument for Walter White and uh, Jesse Pinkman, you could say the same for him, except he didn't do all the other crazy shit, you know, like cook. Try to pro- and you tried to find be out he was dying of cancer and try to provide for his family. Postmortem, <laughs> which, which he could have. He, here's how that sh- Here's how breaking bad ends. Don't get me wrong. I'm a huge breaking bad fan. Yeah. Love it to death. Amazing show. One of the best shows of, of our generation, hands down. But here's how that entire show ends. He goes and sees his buddy at gray matter. Gray Matter offers to pay for it. Show over. Show over. He, that guy offered to pay for his cancer treatments right then and there. No, he, he offered cheap. to pay for his dignity. No, he offered There's to pay for his There's a huge difference. No, get out of here. Get out of here. He offered to pay for his cancer treatments right then and there. Swallow if your somebody pride, who screwed me out pride, of my company and I'm supposed to be swallow. as rich as him offered to you, pay for my cancer treatments. Absolutely. But is and it, I had another way. But is it about you? Spit in his eyes. Is it about, about you, you or is it about your family? Right. Right. Isn't you got to leave argument? a legacy of dignity. You can't leave a legacy of what just dignity? Some money for what? some bullshit. Where was the dignity? He he cooked meth. Yes, he's the best meth cooker in the world. So sure, if he should get Skyler an accolade hadn't have betrayed him. It would have been all good. Oh, he might because have even Walter White was the best. Later. Walter White was the best husband and father. Let's put it that way. He was a good husband. I don't see Jack Pearson throwing. I don't see Jack Pearson throwing a pizza on the roof. Okay, I don't see him cooking meth. Never throwing no pizzas. He went. I don't see Walter White down in the bottle. Like he, yes, Jack Pearson went down the bottle, but he watched it from his. He watched it from his his father, and he picked it up from his father, and that happens. It does. My father went through it. My stepfather went through it. I watched all that happen. He got rid of it. Decided to quit the booze, and luckily, I you know, I mean. There are a couple of rough years, but don't get me wrong. I love my stepdad to death, but you watch it happen in life. It, it, it's a real life thing. Walter White, I'm sorry, not too many, you know, husbands that get diagnosed with cancer go and start cooking the, the most pure meth in the world. And then they have the trashiest, most trailer parkish type person to help, you know, sell it for him. Okay. He wasn't sure. He was a better. Here's the bigger issue. He was a better dad to Jesse Pinkman, a piece of shit than he was to his own kids. True. And that's not saying much. <laughs> yeah. 
Sure, he got he got his son a nice new uh, Dodge Charger or Challenger, whichever one it was. But if you look at everything that the IRS would have done to him had they been like, hey, how the hell were you able to afford two souped up cars and you have a teacher salary and you're out because you're doing cancer treatments? What's going on here? He would have been destroyed. He kills. He literally is the reason his brother, uh, his brother-in-law is dead. It's his fault. Oh, it was Hank's fault. Hank followed him. If Hank hadn't have followed him, <laughs> if everyone had just left Walt alone and let him be a good dad, we'd be talking about how he was the greatest dad of all time. So, so what you're saying is, so what you're saying is, if he wasn't this huge mastermind criminal, he would have been a great father. No, if he yep. hadn't have let people in and trusted them and been betrayed over and over by his wife and yeah. fucking Jesse and Hank and all those people, if they had just believed in him a little bit. He could have gone all the way. It was never about being a good dad. It was always about the ego, man. He was just telling everybody and himself it was about saving his family. That's it. Okay. Hold on. I'm going to go ahead and render my verdict here for for a moment, Jamie. i just just like to say, as watching from a son's perspective of a father who had cancer and was going through cancer treatments and – you can suck up your pride and take help. That's something that can and has and will be done no matter what. Meth is not the only answer to your financial issues. So. I think as someone whose father also had cancer and who was paying a mortgage when he was like 15 years old because his dad had had cancer and ridiculous $100,000 a year medical bills. I have a respect for Walter White. Okay. I feel like Walter, if my dad had gone the Walter White route and left me a buttload of money, things might be different. Real quick, just to add something in there. Don't they not end up getting any of that money? They do get the money. At the end, he gets the money to them through Saul. Only after the neo-Nazis tried to take away his empire. Which, by the way, the neo-Nazis take a good majority of that, too. They do. Okay. No, I've they never just watched Breaking Bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you watched Breaking Bad? Rob, Rob you but should. Or, uh, this, uh, yeah, you I'm not sure should. I really want to. No, it's actually really... Back to watching The Big Bang Theory. It's so. really good. Ooh, it's yeah. really good. Yeah. Ten, 10 out of 10, right. I would recommend. Yeah. Anyways, um, I'm sorry, Jamie, but no, Walter White is not moving on. It's Jack Pearson. It's good to <laughs> 80s and 90s. Moving on to the 80s and 90s. This is some Dustin Rhodes style booking. <laughs> I'm just saying. I would not do such things to gold dust. Anyways, moving on. Making their return. Jason Seaver from Growing Pains. No one seems to know who that is. Am I the only one that watched Growing Pains growing up? I know who he is, but I wasn't a big Growing Pains person. Yeah, right. same. By the way, this is for Jordan. Ooh. Dan Connor from Roseanne. God damn right! Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> now, making their first appearance and stepping into the gauntlet, Cliff Huxtable from the Bill Cosby Show. My Ooh, man. That's oh, a no. That's a, yeah, that's a good one. And in my opinion, while he was a father on the show, he was not shown very often as a father. Well, let me put it this way. His kids were not on the show, but he may have been the ultimate 90s dad. The one person we would all listen to 
Mr. George Feeney. Oh, that's good. Oh, love me some Feeney. Feeney! Come on, Bill Cosby. Shake the hat. The hat is shaking. Do I dare go get another drink before we get Bill Cosby in this bracket? Sure. I'm just saying it could get real weird. (laughs) That was a good joke. Yeah, Yeah. I want to see it. Watch it be no contest. George Feeney. It's Feeney, 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 Feeney. George Feeney against Tim Taylor, 80s and 90s bracket. Hmm. That's rough. It's really not. Well, Jamie, if you don't think it is, let's hear your argument. Yeah, yeah, I got to hear you. I'm not even sure who's in the bracket anymore. So I don't Tim know. Taylor I made it, Tim Taylor made it out of the 80s and 90s bracket. He's representing yeah, the 80s yeah. and 90s. Tim Taylor's not a good dude. They replaced the tool time girl because he sexually harassed a tool time girl like outside of the show. Yeah, but that's meta. Like, can you? That's why Pam Anderson left when she was the Labatt Blue girl. She was also the tool time girl. Hold on. Can we can we have a ruling real quick, though, from Rob? What's the ruling? <clears throat> is this only that pertains in the show or is it outside show stuff, too? Not saying I, I disagree with you or anything, Jamie. I just need to know if we're ruling on things outside this of the show. This is all based on the character, not the actor. The character of Tim Tim, Tim the Toolman Taylor versus George Feeney. Mm. We are not taking anything the actor did into account. Otherwise, Cliff Huxtable would be nowhere <laughs> near this episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's rotting in jail right now. Well, yes, but it's it's all based on the actual character, not the actor and themselves. Well, I thought that was still part of the show because they replaced the Tool Time Girl. And then Al ends up dating Heidi later. But they totally replaced well, him. Not yes, they, reference it. <laughs> they don't reference it because it's covered up for TV. I got you. Well, like... Uh... That's why Jill got hostile later in the later episodes. She's kind of hostile. Feeney was from uh, Boy Meets World, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I, I watched that show, and I, I honestly can't point to anything that that dude ever did that makes me think that he's like the greatest TV dad. No, I'm not saying okay. he wasn't a bad person by any means. I'm just saying, like, does he do anything like exceptional besides constantly and always? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's been, what, like 10, 15 years since I've watched it or so something? He's consistently there as a form of advice for the kids and the Alan and, like, everybody. Kids. He's kind of the mechanism that the writers use to get their moral across from episode to episode. And in that, he's very virtuous. But he never goes through any kind of conflict. There's never any like, oh, no, Feeney's in trouble type situation. It's kind of more. He's more of a mechanism, honestly, in the story than a character. If uh, we're being real. Hmm. Okay. So, to weigh into that, um, I think both have their uh, advantages. Obviously, Feeney's always there to provide guidance and. Um, you know, help them get out of trouble, whatever it may be for each episode. Tim Taylor's there. He actually has, you know, legitimate family and kids. So he's a he's a true father. 
um, all of the scandal stuff aside, Jamie, he still tries to do everything right with his his son and stuff. But I think there's a bigger issue at hand um, with putting Feeney into this. And it's kind of how I'm going to think about it as a whole. I couldn't imagine a place where Feeney goes through just because this is about the greatest dad in TV. Sure, he's a father or sure Feeney is 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 a is a guider there for, you know, all the kids. Yeah. But he's not actually a father. And I just feel like, you know, we already had the controversy with the sci-fi and cartoon round that if we decide to push through Feeney, who's not even a, a dad, I mean, over someone who actually is a dad, that, that that seems like more controversy to me. So I would just based off of that say I, I like both. I mean, both characters are great. Both characters are, you know, right. Run of the mill. Um, I could, you know, as a character, as a, as a character, holy, both are great characters, but one is a father um, to the characters that are in the show. And one is not a father to the characters in the show. So for, for that, I'd have to rule in favor of Tim Taylor. Yeah. Not even like in the same way that like Howard Cunningham or like Red Foreman, like took in somebody like as yeah. like, and became a father to them. It's like, he really, like you said, he just kind of plays like a guiding role, you know? Yeah. But at, at, right. at minimum with those people, um, Red Foreman, uh, namely, you still see his kids and he's still being a father to his kids during that time too. But he just has his extra kids. You know, this is just extra kids only, no family. Right. Sounds good. All right. So Tim Taylor retains his spot. All right. Now we have our true final four. The final four. We have first off the champion of the 2000s bracket, Jack Pearson, going up against the wild card. From sci-fi and cartoons and Hank Hill. Gentlemen, who'd like to kick us off? You know what? I will. I'll open the floor. Because this is a good one, okay? I like both of these characters a lot. Clearly, Hank Hill should have won the first time when he was in the sci-fi round and cartoon round. But there was a uh, unfair co- uh, competitor um, that weaseled his way through with someone else. Um Outside of all that, uh, truly, while they're not the same character, I feel like Jack Pearson was loosely based. Obviously, there you take away the propane stuff and everything and, and the way that he tries to go about raising his kids because he's always for his kids, whatever they do, to whereas uh, Hank Hill has to kind of learn and grow and make a ton of mistakes, which both of them do. But I feel like Jack Pearson is more of a... like a live action version of Hank Hill without all of the redneckery. If you look, if you just plainly look at the way that they father to a degree or how they came up or the struggles that they have, because there's still the struggle there. They're not the exact same character, but there's still a ton of struggle as a father. Um, how, however, even though I love Hank Hill and huge fan of Hill, the house, uh, King of the Hill, sorry, not Hill, the house King of the Hill. Um, I would still have to give it to Jack Pearson. He took in first off, he lost a kid. If you didn't know that, Jamie, in, in the in the show they lose a kid. But there is a kid that they adopt because he's brought in while he's looking at his twins. And he's like, you know what I'm gonna do? That kid doesn't have a home. I'm going to take that kid and I'm gonna give that kid a good home and a good try at life. 
and he does. And that kid grows up and then becomes like a DA or something, a high end lawyer. You know, there you go. That's, you know, all of his kids succeed in some way um, because of the strong man that he was as a father. Um, they go back to the past a lot and they, you know, review his life and they think about him, but he's constantly on their mind at all times. The reason being is he was such a strong figure when he was around that they strived to excel for the memory of their father. So for me, I pushed Jack Pearson through myself. That's one for Jack. Hmm. Who's next? Do you want to go, Jamie? Uh, I love Dustin's name. (laughs) You guys went after Bob. It was all set up to get rid of Bob. Hank Hill shouldn't even be here. But he is a better father than Jack. Because he learns his lessons, he's not portrayed perfectly. He's raising his boy. And Jack may have taken in some kid, but Hank took Luann in. And Luann is a horrible, horrible kid to have. And she just constantly tests his patience, but he never, like, kicks her out. He never hits her with like an uppercut or something like Texas style. It's Hank's pretty good to Peggy. Hank never ends up with an alcohol problem. He doesn't lose a kid, but he only has the one kid and Ladybird, his dog that he treats real well. And him and his wife went through all the trouble like conceiving and stuff. I think Hank is way better. Hank Hill. I like how you're Hank refurbishing Hill. some of the argument you used against Hank Hill to say that he is a better father than Jack Pearson. <laughs> Complete turnaround. Also, because well, Jack Pearson's just a total alcoholic, like scumbag. He's and not I think get, being an alcoholic like counts, even if you get over it. It's still a mark against you. If you can use Danny Tanner's dead wife as a mark against him, then you have to accept a mark against Jack for okay, being but, an alcoholic. Okay. Recovered no one not. in this argument, no one in this round it was part of the kids. 80s and 90s. <laughs> yep. So hold on, Jamie. I just need, I need clarification because you said something that, that made me think for a sec. And I just need Uh-oh. to know what your thought process was. You said that Hank and Peggy never lost a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that Jack Pearson did. Well, I was going to say something about Are you saying Hank that's Hill's narrow urethra. A kid? But I decided to Are be more cool. Hank, Hill, Hank Hill's one for one? <laughs> And Jack Pearson and his wife are two for three. Is that what you're saying? I mean, if you want to say that, I'll That's accept it. Like you can, it. <laughs> but I'm not going to argue against it. I That's wouldn't so say bad. something like that because I'm not a monster, Jordan. That's what it but, sounded like you were getting at. That's why I, I said I wanted clarification to see I if wasn't you were getting a at it. I was going towards Hank's narrow urethra, but I decided to be more couth and not. Okay, so- so you, you're not about arguing, little pecker pipe. You're not arguing about the 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 amount of kids they had per try. No. Okay, good. I just want to make sure. Dustin, no, can I you bring some that. sanity to this or Well, I never thought I'd be on the side of Jack Pearson cuz like I, I'm more of a King of the Hill fan, you know. But like honestly, after doing the research in between episodes, like Jack Pearson does not need defending. In all honesty, his character speaks to like how great of a, a per, like how great of a person he is like you just can't beat him like i don't know if you guys ever heard the saying 
but you don't really know a person until you know what they want, right? Jack Pearson wants to be a good dad because he never had that. He grew up in an abusive household. He grew up in a house with an alcoholic that, you know, beat him and his mom and stuff like that. And what, yeah. And what he wants at the end of the day is for his kids and his wife to have the life that he never could have. He wants them to have the perfect life. He, he is at the end of the day, he is the embodiment of if you only have one smile to give per day, you give it to the boo. One boo, softest argument ever. Am I wrong though, Jamie? Besides booing, you're wrong. <laughs> That's <laughs> he's not better than Hank. He should pay for his sense. Go ahead and rebuttal. I like Hank. I like Hank. I just don't think you beat Jack Pearson. Like, that guy's, like, genetically engineered to be the best dad. You mean written that way. Oh, yeah. Well, every dad on this bracket, no matter who they are, were written that way. So. Yeah, but show me the the struggle is what matters. What you overcome is what builds your character. Jack Pearson is nothing but struggle. Alcoholism. Come on. Yeah. Can he overcome it, or is he just in recovery? You're always he never let that burden his family exactly. So, and he's a Vietnam vet. You know that, like, carries shit over. Like, come on. Uh, I think you're reaching. But yeah, Jack Pearson. There we go. <laughs> Jamie's Ooh. not having fun. <laughs> All right. Jack Pearson has moved on to the finals where he will face off against the winner of Howard Cunningham from Happy Days versus Tim Taylor. Now, I would like to make a slight adjustment to this, if you guys don't mind. I stepped down from the judge's chair to argue during a 60s and 70s bracket challenge. Dustin, I would like for you to take up the judge's chair for this one round. So that I can step in and argue on Howard Cunningham's behalf. Would you mind, sir? Okay. Sweet. Yeah, go ahead. I wasn't planning on this. I just decided to do this. And I like how Jamie's like drinking straight from the bottle. It's old Forrester. Alcoholism. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding, Jamie. (laughs) That's not fair. So, Dustin, you'll be judging this round if you don't mind. I'm glad because I I wasn't really sure how to to go with this one. So, yeah, have at it. Okay, if you guys don't mind, I'd like to start. Go ahead. Jamie, do you mind? I don't mind. Thanks, buddy. Okay, so at this point, there's really not a whole lot of bad you can say about any of the dads who are in the Final Four. They made it this far for specific reasons, because they are very, very good dads. Three reasons why Howard Cunningham moves on over Tim Taylor. One, he did it with less resources. He did it in a more difficult time. And most of all, he was always there for his kids, his kids' friends. And most of all, he was a surrogate father of Fonzie. Howard Cunningham. Send him through. Like George. You got anything for that, Jamie? 
I would like Jordan to go before I go. I was going to see if I you, see I where you land. See if you were going to go because I feel like I just want to see where you land. If that's okay, I'll go if you want me to. I'd go. rather you go because honestly, right now I don't really have a bone to pick in this argument. Yeah. Both, yeah, like I'm, I'm still weighing the options on them. Okay, so Happy Days came out in '74. I was born in '84. I don't have a lot of nostalgia for it. If you're being real, I was prepping for this episode for a totally different argument because my my boy was still in, and now he was shamefully screwed. But when I was researching Howard Cunningham, I was looking for holes. But all I found really was mediocrity. Like, sure, he was a decent dad to his kids. And he was a decent guy to the kids in his neighborhood and stuff. But he totally softballed all the big issues that came up in Happy Days. They have two episodes that deal with racism. And both episodes kind of summarize. And I watched one of them this afternoon. Both of them kind of summarize to like, you should ignore race. You should be colorblind. But being colorblind is problematic. You need to be anti-racism. And his son in 22 episodes of Happy Days has a Confederate flag in his room. He never taught his kid not to be shitty and put a Confederate flag in his room. He was just good with it. And he was just good with people ignoring racism. He also raised the fonts, like you said. Cool. Except the fonts is the breakdown of American television because the motherfucker jumped a shark. <laughs> that ruined the show. It ruined shows in general to the point where jumping the shark is synonymous with making the show too ridiculous to enjoy. And the Fonz grew up to be Andrew Dice Clay. And to quote Andrew Dice Clay, Little Miss Muffet sat on a tuffet, eating her curds and whey. Along came a spider. He sat down beside her. And he said, What's in the bowl, bitch? I rest my case. <laughs> now, Jordan, do you have anything for that? Yes, I do, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it's tempting just to fight him just based on that argument, but seriously, what do you got? <laughs> what you got, um, buddy? So, honestly, I know more about Tim Taylor. I'm going to be honest. I, I was not somebody. I, I was born in 93, okay? So, I'm the I'm the young guy of the group, okay? Uh Definitely did not go back mm-hmm. and watch Happy Days reruns. Um, that's not who I am. Uh, I've seen a few episodes, but I can't say that I'm the I'm the biggest fan. But the same kind of thing goes goes along with uh, Tool Time and the the show Tim Taylor's a father on. I remember the episodes as a kid, but I'm not like heavily in debt to either. Um, if you, I mean, honestly, I really don't have a dog in in the fight. Uh, this is one of those weird ones where like both dads are they're both fine really that's i mean neither one to me is better than the other they're just both average dads and different timelines and different and different eras 
So, and, and Jamie, I understand what you're saying about the racism and all that, but you're looking at yeah. racism based off of what racism is now, as opposed to how it was looked at then. And I know that sounds really well, because weird because it was looked at it like I, that. And, and I, I, now we have to deal with I it agree now. with you, but keep in mind the progressive people of that generation were the people that were like, Hey, be colorblind. We don't see race. These are all our sisters and brothers. But that's not where that tune is today. That tune's different. So if you're looking at a television show that was based in, in 1974, at least created in 1974, you're looking at a whole different type of ideology when it comes to the race part of that. Because you're looking at people that are like, this is kind of the progressive agenda at the time for that compared to now. It's like, dude, if you have a, a Confederate flag, you're you're a fucking racist piece of shit. No, no questions, if, ands, or but. And I completely get that, and I'm I'm fine with that, honestly. I'm, I'm I agree from, with I'm you, but the, it should go back to I'm the dawn from, of time. I'm from the Hick town of Gloucester County. Okay, Jamie, you yeah. know this area. You might not have been here. I grew up in Sedley, Virginia. You you, we we're, were, we're we're almost very twins. much in the South, small little <laughs> you know redneck towns. Okay, so um, I have different views on all of that as a whole. Uh, but if you're basing it off of race issues. Sure, we can use the point that the show doesn't hold up to today's standards, but for the day it was in, that standard, that's pretty good, the fact that they even did anything with race in a show. Because it could have just been like, they could have just been racist pieces of shit the entire time and actually shown it that's in the show. That's actually what I was looking for when I was researching. And, and that's and that's the thing. So if the fact... I was like, this is going to be super the easy. The fact that they weren't overly racist it. in the show and they actually kind of brought it up on, uh, from what you said, two different occasions. Do I just need to continue from where we were? Ah, uh, so we're recording. Yeah, we're recording now. So okay. whenever you're ready. All right. So to kick back into my argument, uh, like I said, I really didn't have a dog in the fight. Um, I brought up the race points based off of each generational show. Um, so really, if I'm looking at it, and I really have to think about it, I would probably lean more towards Cunningham. But it's a hmm. slight lean. It's not a big lean. It's a slight lean. So really, uh, if I were Dustin and, and, and I was being the judge, I'd want to hear rebuttals from Rob and Jim. Yeah. They're really can, both left and right of it. Can I ask this question? Did Tim Taylor have to deal with any type of issues as like racism or really anything other than having a goth kid for a son? I think he I had mean, a so he had a goth kid as a son. He had a I Christian think, missionary and then he had the the jock kid as his oldest son. Yeah, and I think there was racism in a couple of episodes on Tool Time with the kids. I don't remember, honestly. I watched that show so long ago. I feel like Tim I know I assassinated the shit out of Tim Allen, but Tim Taylor, not really a bad guy, did a lot for his family, worked really hard, and his kids had more complex issues socially than Howard Cunningham would have had in his era. How so? Like, clicks. You didn't really have clicks in the 1960s. You didn't you have had, clicks. In no, you had races, but you had races. That's yeah, it. You had races. It's, you didn't have it's like, the racist and the normal kids. That's what 
it's no, boiled you, down to in the 1960s? Because that's what you're saying to me right now, Jim. The 1960s is like the end of segregation. You had like kids of other races and then your kids and then the two episodes are dealing with no other types of kids it's just you know the white kids and the black kids and that's it well yeah they didn't have clicks back then there was kind of your all american kids and then in the 90s where tim is raising his kids you have goth kids you have jocks you have all these social classes kind of emerging within all right what started kicking off in the 1960s rock and roll free love baby (laughs) that was the beginning of when kids especially teenagers in that era started gaining these new personalities and experiencing new things so you still had them good old american kids but there were still plenty of different kids out there yeah but you don't have to see any of those on fonzie fonzie greaser but that's about it and they all get along with them there's no like conflict there where where all of Tim's kids are different. They don't even get along with each other. He had a lot more conflict in his life than Howard Cunningham and still came out a good dad. Okay. I got nothing. I'm, I think Tim's solid. I'm, well, I'm not. No, see, I said that at the beginning. There's really either of these two are worthy of being in the final round because they're both good dads. I just happen to think that Howard was the better of the two. So just my personal opinion. Uh, I think, did he have to go through the complex click issues that Tim did? No, not really. But the fact that he was more involved with his community, the fact that he took in not just his kids, but his kids friends and looked after them and became that father figure to them and on top of that did not have the resources or the type of lifestyle that tim the Toolman taylor had with his job as a television personality versus him just i think uh howard cunningham ran a, a hardware store if i remember right yeah he's a so. business owner Yes, he was a business owner but then you have expenses and everything else you have to deal with versus tim running out, buying all these classic cars, fixing them up and having a good time and this, that, and the other. I think Howard did more with less and did more, not just for his kids, but for all kids in his neighborhood. I think Tim never let any of his kids have a rebel flag in their room. (laughs) But Dustin, (laughs) okay, so so we can can move along. What's everybody's vote? Howard. Jamie. Tim, of course. I slightly leaned Cunningham. Slightly leaned. As much as I want to put Tim the Toolman Taylor up against Jack Pearson, because I feel like that would be easy, staying biased, I think uh, I think Cunningham wins. I mean, he's, yeah. He's the better dad out of the two. I wouldn't want right. to be raised by either one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Neither would I. <laughs> All right, we have our final. Uh, I'm going to take over to Judge's chair again, if you don't mind there, uh, Dustin. It's fine. I mean, I, I want to keep all my power, but it's it's fine. I'll give it back to you. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Worst <laughs> emperor ever. So here um... we go. We started with 32. We are down to the final two of the bracket challenge. The first ever 
Go ask your father. Greatest TV dad bracket challenge. And we'll be doing this in our next episode. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to go ahead and get this done and over. Jack Pearson versus Howard Cunningham for the final, for the title of greatest TV dad of all time. Who wants to start? I'll back Mm. clean up. Uh, You got a racist versus an alcoholic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I say fuck them both and bring back Bob Belcher, but where are we going? I, I mean, I think the argument really comes down to like a good dad versus the greatest dad. And I mean, that's Jack Pearson. Like that's, that's his entire character. He doesn't, he doesn't want to go out golfing. He doesn't want to like get away from his kids or anything. What he wants to do is he wants to be around his wife. He wants to be around his sons and his daughter. And I mean, that's just who he is at his core. Like Howard Cunningham's a good guy, but I don't think he's Jack Pearson good. Dustin's going Jack Pearson. Jamie? I already you hate went. both of these guys, so. Yeah, I already so went. See. So your vote is <laughs> fuck both of them, Bob Belcher for the win. Yeah. <laughs> As it should be. You're, you're not Jamie, even. I'm glad you came on this show. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> Nothing? Jordan. So it is above, let it be below. All right. <laughs> so All right. Jamie votes Bob Belcher. Okay. Okay. Uh, Jordan? You got anything? Yeah, I got something. Um, from the moment, the very first moment that Rob sent me this bracket, I read it all over. And I went through the names and uh, a lot of unfamiliar, a lot of familiar though. But one name out of every single name on this bracket stuck out immediately directly in my head. The only thing I could think about was I saw all these names and I was like, damn, you know, Red Foreman's a good dad. Um, you know, I like Hank Hill, Bob uh, Belcher, honestly, isn't too bad of a father, but should he have made it through? Probably not. Um, you know, uh, there's a ton of good dads on this, on this list, but, and I have my wife to think, um, I went through that list And as soon as I saw Jack Pearson's name, I said to myself, whatever I have to do to make Jack Pearson win this competition for the first annual uh, best TV dad competition, that's what's going to happen. Jack Pearson isn't just a good father. He is the greatest father for all of television, for what we saw for our sample size for the 32 candidates or technically a little bit more because we had some extra competitors come in. He battled with alcoholism. He was beat by his father who was an alcoholic. His mother was beat by his alcoholic father. His brother was beat by his alcoholic father. Jack Pearson goes to war, comes back. So he's already got some PTSD. He's got issues like everybody did that went to war. He's got issues. So he turns to alcohol and he becomes alcoholic. Yes, but he battles through it. He doesn't want to be his father. He wants to fight through that. He wants to make it through so he can be a great father and great husband. More importantly, because I feel like if you have a family, 
the great husband aspect plays a part of being a great father. You can't have one without the other. You have to have both. So he be he he is being the best husband while being the best father. Yes, he has his mistakes, he has his misslips, all of that. But that's life. If you don't argue with your significant other at least one time, I don't believe you have a healthy relationship. Just once. Doesn't have to be an end uh, an end all of a re- relationship type thing, but you can't say that you're you know if Jess tells me she likes chocolate and I'm like hell no vanilla is the shit, I got to debate that, you know. Talking about even the small little arguments, you know, my dog is the most handsome dog in the world. I'm gonna battle every person who has a dog against me. That's just the way it is. You have to do that. Jack Pearson is a amazing father to his kids. The biggest point of Jack Pearson that I really want to put through to this, and it's something that kind of sticks with me, and I watched the episode before Jess did, even though she doesn't know that I did this, but I watched his death episode. If you want to watch like 40 minutes of just amazing TV, one, watch that episode. Watch a few episodes before it so you see how good of a father and good of a man he is. But he goes, the house is burning, uh, is going up in flame, up to the second floor. Um, he gets to his kids. He goes to his kids first. First thing he does, I need to get the kids. Goes, gets his kids, gets them out of a really terrible situation with his wife. What does he do? He's standing on the roof of the house. He hears a dog bark. His daughter loves this dog more than anything in the world. He has one daughter, two sons. He runs back in that house. He saved. Say no. Go ahead and say it, Jess. Be louder. He he saves the dog and the photo album. She just helped me there. Saves the dog and the photo album of the family and the kids. Comes out. Goes to the hospital because he's got clearly a lot of smoke that he put into his lungs. If you want to watch a terrifying death scene. That literally could be an everyday death scene for any of us for accidental stuff. If, if some you know, you get a ton of smoke into your lungs, this man is perfectly fine, looks healthy. Doctors like ah, we kind of want to take a look at him for a little while. His wife leaves the room to go get a candy bar. In the time it takes for her to go get the candy bar, open the candy bar, start eating that candy bar. This man went into cardiac arrest. He passes away. They're trying to help him in the room and and resuscitate him. They cannot do anything. He dies. And before she can turn around, the doctor literally is coming over to let her know that her husband just passed away. Even though 15 seconds before, she was just talking to him and he had no issues. Watching all of that really hits you on a different level. It made me feel something, and I don't do that often. I like to tell my wife that I got some of my sociopath traits from my brother, okay? So making me feel something in a TV show, very rare. But that scene, and it's really weighted by the fact that he's such a good person and such a good father that you don't want to see him leave the show. And I I got sad. I'm not going to lie. I told Jess, I was like, I'm not going to watch this anymore. Fuck with, you know, the hell with the show. Luckily, they still do flashbacks like almost every every episode to, to him. So he's still in the show. But yeah, and he appears to the kids sometimes. That's what she was just saying. But Jack Pearson is the greatest father and greatest person in this entire bracket. Did you just say he appears to the kids? 
Yeah, kind of like 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 a haunting. The... Oh god, not a. Haunting. He would have never got past Bob <laughs> Belcher if I had known he was haunting his own kids. What the fuck? God he damn was it! Ghost, all right, calm he was... down. <laughs> there He's you go. Haunting his kids. Howard, he's he's hating Christensen as a, as a force ghost. Howard okay? Cunningham would never haunt his kids. So I'm confused, Bob. And Lynch, the fact that the what? show goes on. Hold on, hold on. You already chose. You already chose Bob Belger. No, 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 no. I just was waiting, biding my time. The fact that Howard Cunningham is in every episode of Happy Days except the first episode because he was played by someone else. And the show just continues without Jack. They're just like, oh, you know what? We'll keep going. I think that says something. That's important. I'm going to rebuttal. And Howard that never show... wanted his kids, and he was never an alcoholic. <laughs> so Howard I'm gonna, Cunningham. No, I'm a rebuttal for there president for you because because Jack Pearson is in almost every episode and he's, he's so constantly, boring. and all they do is talk about how good their father was to him and how they constantly want to strive to be better and do yeah, everything because, he's because their father was That's so what, good. how people talk about you after you're dead. It's just what it, what people do. He coasted through this thing by being dead. <laughs> yeah. oh, I, yeah. I don't know where we're still talking so, about this. I, like Jack I, won, right? Come on. Jack definitely won, but just to throw my wife's thing in there, he actually actively hid his alcoholism from his kids his entire life. That's yeah. super fucked up. How is no. that fucked up? Because so, now they on, don't Jamie, even know Jamie, to watch out. Jamie, Jamie, let me ask you. Would you rather have a father that hid the alcoholism from you and worked on it and got better? Or would you have rather have one that showed you it and beat the shit out of you? I need to know the answer. Would you rather have a father who had a heart condition and hid it from you or someone who told you about his hereditary heart condition because alcoholism that, is hereditary that's comparing apples to oranges though no it's not they're both hereditary yeah, diseases one one something yes sure alcoholism would you rather hide the disease family. from your kids and let it blindside the shit out of them in college or would you rather be open and tell them like hey we as a family line genetically have a predisposition to a bit of the bubbly. And do you, do you know the leading studies on why a lot of kids follow in their in their their parents' footsteps because they watch them do it. Mm. But it's also genetics. But if they never try alcohol because they didn't see their parents doing it, they don't have an issue, do they? Who's never tried alcohol? That's unrealistic. Sure. Especially sure if you don't know it could potentially be a CM problem. Punk, I don't know. <laughs> ah, screw it. He's not fun. Yeah, they have Yalmish. Rumspringer. Rumspringer. Yeah. Oh, they go out on Rumspringer they, and they, they have Jerry they have Jerry Rumspringer. Is that yeah. what and then they turn up. <laughs> That's what happens. It's how it goes. I'm just saying. Mormons. Let's argue in reality. Yeah, Mormons, I'll give you that. <laughs> I'll tell you a terrible story okay. about a Mormon one day. Okay. But it's uh, not safe for the podcast. Good, because there are some things that don't need to be said on this podcast. No. So, um, this isn't the Fireberry Republic, Jamie, all right? My mother-in-law and my mother listen to this, so okay. let's keep it reasonable. At reasonable. Least. <laughs> That's all I ask in this world is for it to be reasonable. Okay, so I really – Jamie – 
you have tried your hardest and you have done all that I could have ever asked of you for being on this show. Dustin, I appreciate you jumping on at the last minute. I know this was uh <laughs> anytime Rob. A setup? <laughs> this was not a maybe a little bit of a setup, but only after the fact that Rico couldn't be on. Um Jordan, you know that I appreciate you and that I really do enjoy having you on the show. Um, but the winner of the 2021 and the first ever greatest TV dad bracket challenge is Jack Pearson from this is us. Boom. 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 <laughs> Boom. <laughs> See, Jamie's going to go, Jamie's going to go watch this show now and be like, Okay, they got right. it right. They got it right. I'm never okay. gonna watch this show. The only Out episode I've watched is never the guy dies in a fire. Like it's, it's a season, season two, like this? episode six or something like that. If you want to watch it, why? Well, I, I already did. That's the only episode I watched. That's the only one you watch. Yeah. Yeah, because of this, he's gonna hate Jack uh, uh, person as much as possible. You know, for for the rest of the time. Yeah. So we've reached the end of our bracket challenge. We've reached the end of this incredibly long series of episodes. I'm really kind of glad it's over at this point. Uh, I would like to thank everyone who has been on the podcast uh, for the bracket challenge. Um, My sister, Tara, my brother, JJ, my father-in-law, Rusty, uh, Mike Dominice, um, uh, Garrett Gregory, Dave Freeman, uh, Joey King, uh, Megan Bowman, and the three gentlemen who joined me tonight, Mr. Jamie Cheek. Yay. Mr. Dustin Cleary. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and you can find their podcast, The Firebear Republic, on their link tree at firebearrepublic.com. Is that right, Jamie? Yeah. Thefirebearrepublic.com. All right. Thank you, Jamie. And I would also like to thank Jordan for stepping on the podcast and arguing once again, guys, I truly appreciate it. Uh, Stay tuned with the go ask your father podcast as we are now entering into April and we will be talking about autism with our autism awareness series of podcasts starting this Friday uh, with my wife and I talking about our son, Bobby. Uh, We'll be talking about a couple of different subjects going through the, this series, including a roundtable discussion with uh, fathers with kids with special needs at the end of the month. Um, So we'll see you this coming Friday. But until then, Bobby, say bye-bye. Bye-bye.